Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this time we're talking about Benjamin Britten's Billy Budd, which debuted in London at the Royal Opera House in 1951. Yes, with a libretto by no less than E.M. Forster, the great British novelist. And it's based on the, the short novel, the novella, by Herman Melville, right. Billy Budd. Exactly. The novella, and therefore the time of the opera, is, I think, 1797. Mm-hmm. And it's set entirely aboard a British naval vessel. The Indomitable. The Indomitable. And this was at a time when there had been a series of mutinies on British ships. And there is a sort of sense of, of paranoia that exists between the officers and the uh, the sailors, the crew members. And, of course, in the background is the specter of the French Revolution. Yeah. And that whole atmosphere pervades this whole opera. An undercurrent of tension, uh, of constant tension. And the paranoia is really fed by the atmosphere of life on this ship because many of these folks are not there by choice. They're, uh, as we'll see in the course of the opera, they were press gangs, and they were just kidnap people and force them into I mean basically the, the ship is a prison essentially. Many of the sailors as you said they were impressed. That's the, the term that they used. One of the unusual things about Billy Budd is that it is an all male cast. Yes. Not a female voice to be heard in this opera. Set it up for us. We open with this prologue. Captain Veer. Starry Veer. Yes. Is looking back over his life. He was the captain of the Indomitable. Yes. Basically, uh, this is a frame story. Most of the action of this opera takes place in the past. We are in the, quote, present uh, with, with Veer when he's an old man. So presumably in the, the early 19th century at some point. Uh, and he's looking back on his life and uh, he's looking back with regret over actions that, that took place regarding Billy Budd, the, the title character of this opera. And before too long, the opera propels us back to the deck of the SS Indomitable HMS Indomitable. I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we've got a Brit in the booth. <laughs> Thank your pardon. The HMS Indomitable in uh, 1797. At the beginning of the act after the prologue, when we are back in 1797, we are introduced to Billy Budd when he is part of a press gang. He's he is taken the, from he's another taken ship. He's taken by a press gang from another ship. And the other ship uh, is a merchant ship. A merchant ship with a uh, very significant uh, name. The Rights of Man. Yeah. Which has 
so much political significance at this time in history. Yeah. And he's impressed with two other people, and the, the two other people are completely beside themselves because one of them wasn't even a, isn't even a sailor. And they're just protesting, I shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be here. And, and they, have no, they have no recourse. They have been impressed. They are going to serve on the HMS Indomitable, whether they like it or not. Billy Budd, however, states very uh, forthrightly that his whole life has been on the sea. And he's actually, he's kind of happy about this. He's, he's looking forward to it. But significantly, he sings a little uh, sort of arioso in which he says, farewell, rights of man. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> One of those that hears Billy singing this is John Claggett, who's the, the master at arms. Yeah. And for some reason, he takes a dislike to Billy Budd mm-hmm. right from the get-go. Yeah. Whereas Captain Veer takes a shining to Billy. He likes him. Yeah. He thinks that he's sound. In Veer and Claggett, we have a, a dichotomy that we, we see in other works. For instance... Wagner's Ring Cycle, you have Albrich and you have Wotan, who sometimes is referred to as Light Albrich. And, you know, one represents the dark, one represents the light. Here you have Claggart, clearly representing the dark, and Veer, Starry Veer, as the, as the, uh, the shipmates often call him, representing the light, the good. And Claggart takes one look at Billy Budd and sees... This wholesome, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful young man. And as you say, takes an instant dislike to him for, you know, we, we think a number of reasons, you know, not, not the least of which is that he recognizes in Billy somebody who is inherently good. And it's, uh, as somebody who is inherently not good, <laughs> he uh, instantly dislikes him. And the other, the other reason is, is something that's much talked about both regarding the novella that this is taken from, the Melville novella, but especially regarding this opera, and that is homoerotic undercurrents that are perceived to be going on here, that Claggart looks at Billy and and feels desires that he loathes in himself. In fact, he says to Billy, he says, handsomely done, my lad, and handsome is as handsome did it too. Taken directly from Melville. And then that word handsomeness comes up again. After Billy is, is, has left the stage and Claggart is alone with his thoughts and he sings, Oh beauty, oh handsomeness, goodness, would that I never encountered you. And later goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it and suffers. And that's what we have. It's like the heart of darkness. Claggart, who is that personification of evil. Yeah. And who sees in Billy everything that he's not. A light that he wants to snuff out. But a light that he wants to snuff out because he wants that so much. And knows he cannot have it. So here we have, really, that fuels everything that Claggett does because 
he sets Billy Bud in his sights and brings him down. Yeah. How does he do it? He sets him up. Basically, he first targets a, a, a sailor that's that's sort of under his thumb named Squeak and tells him to steal things from Billy Bud's kit. And uh, Squeak gets caught at it. Uh, and that's when you get that comment that you read before where he says, handsome is as, as handsome does. Uh, he says that to Billy, who turns in Squeak. And uh, Claggart has Squeak taken off and, and presumably punished for it. Flogged. Flogged. The cat of nine tails. Which is exceedingly brutal. But then he, he also gets a, a young novice under his thumb, Claggart does. And this he's is some, called novice. Yes, he's called novice, exactly. It's not important enough to name. This is somebody who, in one of the opening scenes of the of the opera, is is actually punished for a seemingly ridiculous infraction, uh, and is taken out and flogged, and, and comes back on stage and can barely walk. He's so uh, brutalized, both physically and psychologically. I mean, the kid is is completely destroyed by the, the humiliation and the the degradation of the experience, and Claggart seizes upon that and exploits him to his own purpose. Basically, he hands the kid uh, gold coins, which he later then, he claims that Billy, trying to foment mutiny, gave the novice those coins. And he, he says this to Veer and makes formal charges against Billy Budd, which are completely fabricated, of course. Captain Veer, though, he's wary of Claggett and the charges that Claggett makes against Billy. Mm -hmm. But again, we go back to that idea that, that the tensions that exist on the ship and that fear of mutiny. As well as a very strict, very literal adherence to rules of order. They can't v stray from them even a little bit because in order, if, if that rule of order is at all compromised, then chaos ensues and mutiny follows. Hence, you know, the novice is flogged in the beginning of the opera for, for something that was just ridiculous. He tripped. He tripped. Exactly. And you know, there's this, this oppressive atmosphere that pervades the entire ship because the, the powers that be feel that they have to clamp down so hard on order and discipline in order to keep every, everything in line that uh, they, they wind up ratcheting up the tension to the point where mutiny is almost inevitable. So how does this plot against Billy progress? Well, Claggart goes to Veer and formally brings up the charge and he, he feigns reluctance to, to bring these charges about. Your honor would inspect these kiddies. 
regret and thought of them had been applied to a young novice. Veer reacts with wariness and uh, and even a bit of anger. And he says to Clagger, you know, beware of, of the charges you're making. These are very serious. And, you know, if you're perjuring yourself, the consequences to you could be very severe. But Claggart goes on with it, and so they have no choice by the rules of order of the ship to bring in Billy Budd to answer the charges directly. And Billy comes in, and he thinks he thinks he's going to be promoted because does, he's been done, doing such a wonderful job, and everyone loves him. Everyone on the ship just thinks he's wonderful. Veer calls Claggart and Billy Budd into his own quarters. Yes. And he then tells Billy what, Claggart has said about him and the charges he's brought against him of mutiny. And Billy, who it should be noted here from the very get-go, one of one of his his characteristics is that he has a, a severe stammer. It's the one flaw, you know, in this this perfect young man. And he's so blindsided and so taken aback, and he begins to stammer. And and Claggart is just looking at him as if, you know, as if he was telling the truth, which Billy knows it's just all a complete fabrication and a lie. And Billy thought that Claggart liked him. control of himself in his frustration with his stutter to try to get out some response to this that he unable to speak the words he reacts physically and he strikes Claggart and Claggart falls to the ground and he actually dies from from the force of Billy's blunt force to the head trauma and and then you know that's a game changer of course <laughs> so how does captain Revere react well, <laughs> the, uh, the, the rules state that even though nobody believed Kleigert, not really. I mean, Veer didn't really believe him. All the other officers didn't believe him. They could see for themselves what kind of a man Billy was, is. But because Billy s- struck an officer and killed him in anger, the rules are such that, the rules that are he such has that to be punished. He has to be punished, and the sentence is to be hanged from the yardarm. And people are begging Veer to intervene. I mean, they're begging him, you know, to step in. He has the power. He could do it if he wanted to. But I think what's significant here is that while Claggart was inspired by Billy's beauty and goodness to destroy him, Veer, I think, is also suppressing desires in himself 
regarding Billy. And consequently, he's inspired to inaction in this case. He doesn't want to be seen to be favoring him. He doesn't want to give any intimation of that attraction. Exactly. So he does nothing. They beg him, please intervene, and he, he doesn't. And consequently, the tribunal has no recourse but to render a guilty verdict and sentence him to death. And he dies. Yes, he does. So then, at the end of the opera, we have the epilogue. As you said, it's framed, the whole piece is framed by Captain Veer looking back over his life, and particularly with regards to Billy Budd. What does Captain Veer say in the epilogue? Well, he says, I could have saved him. What have I done? I could have saved him. I could have saved him. He knew it. Even his shipmates knew it. He starts to give in to doubts about what he did or what he didn't do, to give in to regret, but he thinks back on Billy and his reaction to his sentence, and he takes comfort from that. Because Billy resigned himself to dying because he loyal to Captain Veer to the end, he said, I understand why he has to do what he did. Because Billy was never a troublemaker. No. He was perfectly in tune with that system, with the, the sailor's life, life on the ship, the authoritarianism of the officers over the, uh, the ordinary sailors, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that's what Billy sings about when he's first brought onto the ship. He is almost happy to be there. He rejoices in the fact, whereas the other impressed men <laughs> are completely at their wits' end. Almost suicidal. <laughs> but, but Billy takes to it. Yeah. So what's interesting is that this opera is not really about Billy. It's more about Veer and Claggett and how one responds to good versus evil. Yeah, you could certainly look at it that way, in the same way that you could say that Carmen isn't maybe about Carmen, it's about people's reaction to Carmen. Or Don Giovanni is about everyone's reaction to Don Giovanni and what he represents to them. You mentioned the the homoerotic elements of this opera. Are they actually there, or are these elements that, that critics have created? You know, nobody can really say definitively, I don't think. I mean, you, can, you could point out that both E.M. Forster and Benjamin Britten were gay men. And they chose a story that involved only men. Right. But, you know, can you point to something in here and say definitively, yeah, that's what this is? No, you can't. So, you know, again, it's, it's what Billy represents, not to just Veer and Claggart, but perhaps to us. Benjamin Britten's Billy Butt. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. Seven.